Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the MOH podcast. I'm Jim Patton, your host for for the Ministry of Helps uh, podcast of the week. And uh, I want to remind you all that you can find these podcasts on MOH.org. That's Ministry of Helps, MOH.org. You can find them on the iTunes podcasts. You can find them at Google Podcasts. Uh, We host them at a place called Podbean, so you can find them at podbean.com. Podbean also has an app that you can download for your iOS or Android device. So you can hear them on all those places. And we're going to pick up where we left off on the last one. You definitely need to listen to uh, episode 34 before you listen to this one, number 35, because it's just a continuation. Uh, It sounds as if it may have even been one long, continuous session because there's no no introduction, no anything. He just picks up right where he left off on the last tape. Uh, As as. Per last episode, too, there's a couple of little gaps in the tape. I don't know what, what you know why they were there. I cut out the you know the the silence, but uh, if you hear a couple of little funny places where he's talking and all of a sudden he's a little you're a little bit lost, it's because there were some gaps in the tape. We took him out. It's okay. You'll still be able to follow along just fine. And um, other than that, uh, this is all about the the ministry gifts, and there's a difference that uh, Winky and uh, indicates there's a difference between a gift and a calling. There are ministry callings and there are ministry gifts. Uh, these are the Holy Spirit gifts to, that are given to you um, basically at your conversion, I guess. And uh, then uh, you have that motivation and then then God calls you into some kind of a ministry and the gifts that you have are used to help develop that ministry. So let's pick up again where Winky left off on, on uh, podcast number 34, and uh, this is number 30, podcast number 35, uh, Ministry Gifts Part 2. The way you can recognize you, and I'll say again, is the thing that most excites you or the thing that best fits you in that list that I've given. But notice, this is not the same as a calling. God can call you to do something that is the same or even distinct from your spiritual gift. And this is what happens with a spiritual gift. God has done a really cool thing. Say, for instance, all of us were teachers. See, there would be a great deal of, of kind of competition, of jealousy, you know, people going, well, I can teach better than that. Now, what God has done is scattered around in the body seven different kinds of gifts that another person will not have as their basic life motivation. But the wild thing is, he commands us to do all seven. Now, what happens is this. Here's a person, for instance, and let me just pick out, I'll pick out a couple and just show the kind of idea. His basic ministry is uh, to, to declare truth or to proclaim truth, to make um, people see the righteousness of God, all right? Now, here comes a person, and he's got a gift of prophecy, and he's wandering around waiting to find people and grab them and make sure they understand the things of God. And he bumps right into a server. Their whole motivation is to serve. Now, two things happen that result in simultaneous conviction. The server looks at this person and goes, wow, I should be... You know, I should really do more about really laying it out and so people can see. The prophet sees this person and he goes, person with a gift of prophecy, looks at this person and says, this person is not firm enough in declaring the truth of God. 
So what he does is he grabs the server and he lays on some challenges about really declaring the truth of God. See? The server goes, oh boy, that's really right. I See? And at the same time, the server looks at this person with <laughs> a prophecy and says, this person is completely overlooking personal needs. So at the same time, though, they feel convicted because they're not as heavy on one thing. The, at the exact same time, they are also trying to develop the ministry of serving in the prophet. So they go, listen, you know, there should be some things. And now, what, it's cool because there's seven different things running around. And every time you run into somebody, they try to develop what they have in your life, which is what God wants, through their motivation. And what will happen is you will approach those other six things through your own motivation. You will find that in your serving, say your server, for instance, then you will be challenged to declare truth in the ministry of your serving. Do you understand? You will show, um, you will meet personal needs um, by proclaiming truth or by teaching. Do, do you see? All of these things will start to open up through whatever gift you have. Now, what I want you to do is to take these other six things you think you roughly nailed down yours at the end of this session. may still be a little confused yet. Some of you may have, you think I've got seven spiritual gifts, and I'm trying to wonder which way. Some of you go, oh, I'm not there. I guess I'm not saved. So I better jump over a bridge. Um, you may have these things, but they must be developed. And I think you'll recognize them as, as time goes on because you'll find a real excitement there. And the beautiful thing about this is, by each one of us trying to develop the gift in somebody else, then the body becomes rounded. The other thing is, if you recognize this, you won't go and start the first church of the teaching or the first church of the service. Do you understand? We always figure, well, he's not doing what I'm doing. He can't be right. I pray. I read the Bible, you see. And this... Understanding this brings unity to the body. You can see, for instance, I know that I'm commanded to do all of those seven things. But I learn then from an exhorter. Instead of going, well, this isn't my ministry. I'm not going to listen to this dude. When he stands up and he preaches, I go, well, you know, I, I should put in my teaching more excitation. See? For instance, say I'm a teacher. I'm not. It's not my calling, that's a gift, but Sam, this is my gift of teaching, and uh, I want to teach people so I can, in serving and meeting their personal needs, I can make truth clear to them, see that? Um, maybe God will arrange a situation where I'm put in charge of something, and I will use that particular situation to make truth clear to people, do, do you see? We will approach all of those different things, and learn. Now, when I look at a man, for instance, who I'm learning how to, in my making truth clear, in my little Mickey Mouse thing, God has given me to lead something, three people or something somewhere, then I will look at a ruler and say, how does he do that? And learn and expand my Christian ministry. You see that? That's the way God is designed, and it's beautiful. It builds, it builds, it builds. How many of you ever had that? Somebody's preaching. He went away and thought, oh, I need to do more of that. 
See? And then sometimes people preach to you for it. Yes, you know a lot of stuff, but there's some things you need to learn. See? It's exactly the same thing. All right, now we're going to look at the ministries. These are ministry ministries now. Callings, uh, book of Ephesians. Let us define these ones now very quickly. An apostle. The modern name for this is a missionary. It's basically somebody sent forth from the church for Christian service. Now, apostles are kind of like groundbreakers. They go in, they open up a work, they establish a work, and then they move on. It has a sp they have a specific Christian service. Ministry of an apostle covers quite a large number of things. Um, they are really a church builder and a church setter-upper and a church beginner. Uh, that kind of person. A missionary. We described a missionary today. Somebody goes into an untouched territory or field. He has to preach. He has to teach. He has to pastor in some ways. He does quite a lot of things. But he doesn't do all of, He doesn't do every one of them. He does a lot of them, but he doesn't do any of them as well as the person who would have specifically that ministry. In other words, he must evangelize, but he's not an evangelist. He must teach, but he's not a teacher. He must shepherd, but he's not a pastor. He's a mix of a number of different things. And sometimes I meet people and I go, hey, I'm going crazy. I've got 20 different ministries, and I don't know which one it is. And, and yet they're not, they're, though that God has used them in all of them, they're not, they can't define specifically which one there is because they really have a mix of those. Very often, this person's an apostle. Now, they never, you remember, this is the apostle John. Here he is. You, these are not titles. They are not titles. They're descriptions of what you do. When a person starts using these as a title, you better watch out. You know, even pastor, something or other, is really strictly not a title. It should be simply a description of a ministry. Here's so-and-so, he's a pastor. Not evangelist so-and-so, or pastor so-and-so, or apostle so-and-so, or prophet so-and-so. Now, when I say apostle and prophet, you freak out. If I say pastor, you don't. See? And yet there is no difference. These are not titles. They are ministries. And not only that, you didn't earn them. God gave them to you. These are not things you sat down and decided and said, I will be a. God came to you and said, I called you and you're going to do this. This is election. You had nothing whatsoever to do with these callings. It is this that is the calling of God that you must make sure, make sure of your ministry, make full proof of it. All right? Secondly is the prophet. Now, this is not just a person with a gift of prophecy. This is a person whose entire power is basically, he's a preacher to Christians. We could call him an evangelist to Christians. That's what a prophet is. His heaviest anointing comes when he's taking Christians and telling them what they ought to be like and laying it out on them. That's where he shines. Preacher to Christian. 
an evangelist to Christians. An evangelist, on the other hand, is a preacher to sinners. A prophet has a slightly different kind of flavor to his ministry than a, an evangelist. An evangelist, though he may put a, a content in his message, an evangelist, his entire life is centered around one basic thing. How do I get a man to Jesus Christ? How do I get him there? I'll take any means, any road, go any place and do anything in order to confront a man with the gospel of Christ. A prophet wants to declare the truth of the word of God, and a prophet takes other areas and lays them strongly out in front of Christians. One of the ways you can tell is this. A prophet will always make Christians feel uncomfortable. Shake him up. Always. You may get mad, you may get glad, but you'll never be left untouched. Prophet will always shake you up. An evangelist has a very winsome and, and powerful drawing thing. He has a, a, a great love for people that comes out when he pulls the net. It's all, the secular man listens. He listens, listens, and comes in like a magnet. Next, a pastor, a teaching pastor, is one who oversees and cares for the needs of Christians. He's a shepherd. He is to care for the sheep. That's his. I have a study there on um, the marks of a good shepherd. I remember a guy saying he was really a rat bag in his church, and his wife used to say to him, I am the good shepherd. I beat my sheep. <laughs> the task of a pastor is to care for and feed sheep. Now, in the Bible, a pastor teacher is in the book of Ephesians put together because they, these ministries are often simultaneous. It, they, they are a person who clarifies truth and uh, this is very necessary. You can see in pastoring, taking care of people. There's one other thing I should throw in about the teacher. They also preserve it. Now, I don't mean stick it in a jam jar and boil it, you know, but there's another thing that is true about a teacher, and that is they are apologists, apologeticists. They stand up against wrong. They are concerned that the purity of truth be maintained. Do you see that? They're very, very good at smelling out heresy. And that's what the teacher like. And then here are some other ministries from the book of Corinthians. These are interesting ones. Somebody who is a worker of miracles. Um, this is a little different just from healing. Supernatural power of various forms accompanies their ministry. And uh, a worker of miracles. This is, um, these last set here are kind of unusual ones. But what happens is this. It's somebody who... It may involve healing, but let me tell you the difference between healing and miracles. Uh, healing is, you know, your hand is damaged and it's prayed for and God accelerates the process of healing and your hand becomes whole. Here is a miracle. 
um, I was saying this, some people going door to door with Gospels of John. I think I told you. Did I tell you about the lady in the Philippines? I didn't. All right, I'll tell you. So the lady in the Philippines, and they were going door to door, some New Zealand people with the Gospels of John from a thing started in New Zealand called the Tell New Zealand Crusade. And they're taking Gospels of John to these little villages. And the guy left off this Gospel of John, this one place, and he came back a week later, and the lady called him over. And she said, uh, I want, she said, I've been reading the Bible, and I give my life to Jesus. And said, uh, I want you to pray for my daughter that Jesus will help my daughter. So he said, well, what's wrong? You know, because he didn't believe in divine healing. She said, come and have a look. And the daughter's got no nose. She's just got two holes here, a little baby. Got two holes in her face. No, no, there's no bone, there's nothing. And he says, uh, he says, well, I want you to pray that Jesus will give my baby a nose. And he said, uh, well, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, there, are, there are many things we don't understand. Yeah. And stuff like that. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. Pray for my baby. Ask Jesus to give him a nose. So he's trying to explain to her how Jesus doesn't do things like this anymore. And she said, well, I read the Bible. He did it. He helped other little girls. See? And she didn't. So he didn't know what to do. And she wouldn't let him go. He kept saying, well, you know. And he find, she said, pray for my baby. Just pray, you know. So he went, well, Lord, thou knowest the, you know, whatever. <laughs> and totally didn't believe nothing about anything. Just Lord into himself. Uh, Lord... I pray for this mother that you will... No, for the baby. That... So he comes back, man, a month later. Mother comes out, and she's smiling. He's afraid to go into the thing. She says, hello. Yeah, nose. A nose. Full-on nose going on this baby. That isn't healing. That's a miracle. Do you understand? Miracles are something that are... It's not just an acceleration of a process. It is something happening that has never happened before that could not really happen by all normal situations or explanations. Now, the ministry of miracles is very often used in missionary evangelism. Now, I don't care. You're not going to get many people in other countries that listen to presuppositional apologetics, even if they understood what it was, which they didn't. But when you see a person who has never walked in his life get up and run around a square, you know that somebody is around that is supernatural. And that happened time and time again in the early church. And I believe the ministry of the working of miracles is a spiritual calling that can be used today. Most often, I think, associated with missionary evangelism, to people who do not have the understanding to deal with the truth of God directly and must see something visible, practical, right up front that tells them two things. God is the ruler of the universe, the mightiest creator in the world, and one who is totally, fully supernatural. I've seen literally thousands of people get saved by one single thing like that. You know, where people go, somebody up there that God's called in that ministry... And a, a mighty demonstration of the power of God. And people go, wow, that's it. Jesus is real. Amen. Get saved.
Powerful, powerful thing. Then the gift of healing. Ministry of healing this is. And again, to mind springs Catherine Coleman. Now, who is Catherine Coleman? Is she an apostle? No. Is she a prophet? No. Is she an evangelist? Well, yes, but no, not really. I've heard a lot of better evangelists than Catherine Coleman. Pastor, definitely not. Teacher, no. Yes, there she is. Uh, give you an illustration. There's a young man in New Zealand. He comes from a denomination in New Zealand that is evangelical, quote-unquote, but very strongly against anything supernatural happening today because a particular reference Bible has in footnotes that it doesn't happen today. And I don't want to mention the name, but it begins with Schofield. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this guy is a, is a relative of my wife's. His father is a very famous doctor in New Zealand, a surgeon, general surgeon, very brilliant guy. His older brother died of a very rare disease, and the dad did everything he could to try and save his son. They didn't believe in divine healing, but they did everything medical science knew to save their boy, and his older brother died. Now, this young man came to stay with my wife and I. Uh, he, parents wrote and said, all right, if you put him up for a week or two in America while he gets used to the place and he's going to be traveling a bit, and could you show him California and Disneyland and a few other things? So we said, all right. He arrived at our house, came to a meeting, I preached my head off, and he got saved in that meeting. And just so happens, as two weeks later, there was a Catherine Coleman meeting on. So Faye said, you know, Faye is dying to get down to every Catholic Kuma meeting that's around. So we went down and took him down with us. And he's sitting there like this, and he saw thousands of people jam out this place two hours before it was due to start. Blew his mind. You know, and he was expecting people to swing on chandeliers and all kinds of funny things. Nothing happened. Total, orderly thing. People getting up and singing praises of God, and he's looking and saying, wow, this is something else. Now, the wild thing is this. While we're sitting there, there was a Chinese couple down in the front row, and they said, there he is down there, and they're pointing, and there's a boy, he's in a wheelchair, being crippled in a car accident, and he's sitting over there in the corner, and he said, oh, there he is down there. We just heard it, you know, we're sitting there looking, way up in the balcony. And then, in front of us is an old couple, just looking around, there must be 70 or something, 60 or 70, looking around. Okay, the meeting begins, Catherine Corman's talking away, waffling, you know, not... Nothing really heavy, not, listen, you know, just, da -da 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 -da, you know, like, you ever seen Catherine Coleman, you understand. <clears throat> just happily running around there enjoying God like a little girl chasing butterflies. <laughs> and uh, right in the middle of this, bam, Spirit of God fills up the place, whoop, like that, you know, he's there. This well, this girl of mine here has done enough, that's it, finished, boom, and then, and we're sitting up there like this. And Catherine uh, Coleman starts talking, starts calling out, people healed. The funny thing is this. Here we are. Here's Catherine Coleman. She's this thick right down the stage. Here's us sitting up here. Here's this old couple in front of us. Here's this Chinese couple to our right. Okay? The, the old lady goes like this. Like this. She turns around to her husband. She goes, 
I can hear. I can hear out of this ear. Can hear. It's just like this, right? Really quiet. Just can hear. She's starting to cry. Way down. Here's this little figure down on stage. Up there on the balcony, somebody just healed in your right ear like this. You should have seen this guy, man. He's looking at this, and then he's looking at this, and to the right, this Chinese couple go, look. And this guy is out of his wheelchair, running across the stage. And this guy, he's looking, he goes, ah! His brakes crack. Catherine Coleman said, anybody want to get baptized in this book? Wow! He knocked out the chairs. He got down there. Ministry of healing. Very, very powerful, powerful ministry. We need two more ministries of healing. Catherine Coleman's getting old, girl. <laughs> All right, then we have the helper. This is an interesting ministry. Not just a gift of ministry now. This is somebody who assists leadership. God calls them specifically to be an assistant to leadership, especially to minister to weak and needy people. Gift of help is somebody who assists a leader. They stand beside them. Their role is kind of a, a backup, supportive role, but it's a ministry role. It's not, uh, you know, it's not uh, upfront evangelist pastor. It's a, it's a, a ministry that works in association and underneath a leadership. And here is the administrator. This is the government, a ministry of administration, ministration. This is somebody who guides and directs the body of Christ. And God can call a person to be a leader. He can say, you, I want you to be an administrator. You're going to direct this whole thing. You're going to put it together. You're going to organize it and guide it and give counsel to it and give direction to it. And then finally, there is a ministry of tongues, interestingly enough. There are people that because of their use and ministry in the area of the gift of tongues actually can use this in order to minister and help other people. It's a very interesting kind of thing. Um, where the use of this gift has actually brought people to Christ, has revealed the supernatural power of God, has done a bunch of different things. And where their entire ministry could be described by that. And it is a ministry. So there you are. There's a bunch. Now, you're looking at these here, and we talk, we've talked earlier about motivations. These are ministries now, or callings. Can you see it as possible for God to give somebody who is has a gift of prophecy, the ministry of being a prophet. Now, if he's got a gift of prophecy, does not mean to say he will be called to be a prophet. This is a ministry which God calls a person to. And it is possible, and you'll see this sometimes, it is possible for somebody to have a gift of a prophet, gift of prophecy, and then watch a prophet and figure, why aren't I doing that? Do you understand? But they've never been called by God to do it. They just have that same motivation. They love it. They, they're excited by it. 
But it's not a ministry for them. It's not a calling for them. It's not their life work. It is also possible for somebody to be a prophet and have the gift of teaching. Or somebody to be an evangelist and to have the gift of serving. And they will... See, here's somebody who's got a gift and they're developing it under God. They, they feel what God wants them to do, so they're out there and they begin to develop. Let's say a server. They're meeting practical needs. And in the middle of this meeting practical needs, God says to them, I have called you to be an evangelist. Now, what do they do? Do they stop meeting practical needs? No. They actually begin to use this as a ministry in order to lead people to Christ. And they left, right, and center, they start leading people to Christ. And if you ask them, what is your ministry, they would say, I'm an evangelist. If you watch the way they did it, they would maybe set up a home where they could bring in people that had nobody and love them and care for them in order to lead them to Christ. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That is the... That's, now, sometimes they would not be able to define what they are. Because they go, well, I don't know, I'm not an evangelist. And they would think, you know, I'm not running around with white shoes on in the platform and, and singing just as I am. <laughs> But they say, I feel God has called me to win people to him. But what I feel like doing is getting a home or opening my home to people. Do you see that? That's the ministry and the gift working together. And it's cool because God can mix. You think of the combinations and permutations of these. We've got another set to add yet. But there's so much diversity you can get in the body when you add temperaments. And different kinds of backgrounds to this, you've got wide, wide variety in the body of Christ, which is why God never mass produces Christians. When he made you, he broke the mold. Amen. <laughs> All right, those are those. Now let's give you uh, these, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We call these spiritual gifts, but... Strictly speaking, they're not yours. They're God's. They're things that God gives to you every now and then. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, 11. Let's put these down. The word of wisdom. Uh, let's explain these. Wisdom and knowledge. I'm going to put these two together. The Bible lists these first. It's an interesting thing. I think these two are two of the most needed gifts in the 20th century. Word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. Let me explain a bit of these. A word of wisdom is uh, when God shares a little bit of his own wisdom with you. It's like a small fragment of the counsel of God. And the word of knowledge is a small fragment of the knowledge of God. What is the difference between knowledge and counsel? They are different. The Bible, have I written unto thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge, God says. Well, the simplest definition I've ever heard is Donald G's definition goes like this. Knowledge is knowing that your car is almost out of gas. Wisdom is stopping to fill it up. 
Now, knowledge is simply a revelation of facts you had no access to other than supernaturally. That's the word of knowledge. Like Catherine Kuhlman calling that guy out up in the deal. The counsel of God, the word of wisdom, is when God shares with you a bit of how he would deal with a person or help them. Now, some of you may have found a funny thing. These things may have happened to your life and you've not known that it was God. You, you knew it was, but not like this. For instance, I have found this happen sometimes. Somebody comes up and they tell me a horrible problem. You know, they go, and here's a horrible problem. And I'm sitting there going, boy, this is a horrible problem. And I have no clue what their problem really is. It's just a horrible problem. And I'm sitting there with my three scriptures that I've memorized, and I desperately want to help them, and I don't know how to do it. So I start with the three scriptures I've got and say, well, what about John 3.16 <laughs> or something? Now, this may have happened to you as a young Christian. You start to share what you got. It's not enough. You know it isn't. And as you're talking, a funny thing happens. As you start counseling them, you just, you keep counseling, you're going, you're sitting there listening to yourself, lay out the heaviest things, and the person's going, oh, wow, that's it. And he was working with this in Teen Challenge, he had to eat every 10 minutes, keep his frame going. <laughs> he, he said, hey, I'm really starving, I'm going to get a hamburger. So he goes in and he sits down right next door to this guy. And I look in, I see him, he sits down next door to him. And then I went off down the street talking. And a little while later, Dan comes out and his eyes are big and wide. And he says, hey, you know what happened? I get in there. He says, I sat down next to this guy in the bar. And he said, and I said, I ordered a hamburger. And when I got it, the guy said, give me your hamburger. Give me some of your hamburger. I said, sure, and gave it to him. And it blew his mind. He went, <laughs> and then the guy said, I can't stick anybody tonight. And he reached into his pocket and he said, and he slammed the big knife down on the thing. And he said, I've been looking for somebody to fight with all night. And I can't do it. And he said, wasn't that far out? He had a knife. I said, I know. <laughs> Word of knowledge. Very heavy thing. I'll tell you when these come into operation, when you run out. So that's why we should live beyond ourselves as much as possible in order for God to come through and demonstrate his power. He loves putting us in situations where unless he comes through, we're sunk. And we love getting ourselves out of those situations as often as possible so we will not need to trust him. All right, the next one is called faith. Now this is not ordinary faith. This is the gift of faith. It is a special manifestation of the Holy Spirit where God gives you a strong sense of confidence in his power and security and authority. That's the gift of faith. Now, one time, I've got to use Mario again because this is the best illustration I know. One time Mario was in a restaurant with a bunch of preachers. They're all sitting down talking, and a group of radical Marxist Maoists come in and sit down in a table about 20 tables away. Mario turns around and he looks at them, big, ugly-looking guys with big Mao armbands on and 
you know, looking like we're ready to have a revolution right here in this Denny's or wherever they were. <laughs> and Mario's sitting there with this group of ministers, and God goes, Boof! on him, and he gets up and he goes, excuse me. And he goes, if you ever seen a Morello stalk, it looks like this. He comes up to this table and he goes, who is the leader here? You know, and the guys go, and one guy goes, I am. And he says, and listen, wham! And he lays his sermon out for 10 minutes. He preaches to these guys, wham, wham, and he's laying this whole thing out. And then he goes, hey man, they all, they're so flabbergasted. They go, clap when he's finished. Then he goes and he sits down with the ministers. And then it lifts and he goes, what did I just do? See, something you would never, ever do in your right mind. If you ever thought about it, you'd never do it. But there comes a time sometimes when God manifests the gift of faith and you know without a shadow of doubt it will happen. That is a gift of faith, a heavy, heavy thing. You know that the world would pass away, but it will happen. It's a gift of faith. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, all right? Then the gift of healing. Now, the interesting thing is it's, it's plural, gifts of healing. So there are different forms of healing, apparently. And uh, you can see this is a valuable ministry to time, perhaps with an evangelist or prophet. It's good to have manifestations of the Spirit in the era of healing. Essentially, um, healing is, is health, re restoration to health. Remember, no doctors, no medical science can heal. They can simply accelerate natural processes or try and preserve them so that life will do its reconstructing work. This is in the province of God. I want to throw in one or two small observations in healing today. Um, in studying some of the, of the great evangelists who are healing evangelists or people who had the gift of healing in their ministries, this manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the ministries. I've noticed an interesting thing that is not true with most people who have healing ministries today, and it is this. These men, sometimes women, that had a great deal of prayer for the sick that was answered, in all cases, I will call it moral. They had moral ministries in the sense of before they prayed for people, they wanted to make sure that those people were right with God. Do you understand? It's a funny thing. If somebody came and said, would you pray for me? I've got ulcers or something. I've got a headache. Or they'd, they wouldn't do it straight away. They would say, sometimes they'd go, well, why don't you give up your immorality? Or stuff like that, which freaked people out. You don't have a large healing line when people do things like that. But there were moral ministries. They preached on conversion, on holy living, on much stuff like this, and then people were healed. Do you understand? Today, there's been a lot of charlatans around that want people healed, but no change in their lives. They want their bodies together so they can sin more. And there were guys going around, well, there were evangelists that were drunk every night, that would preach on healing, and God would heal people in the audience. 
because it's not there. Remember, this isn't theirs. It's God. God would take the faith of people in the audience and heal them, and the guys would be smashed out of their mind. As an evangelist, he used to get totally drunk. He'd be drunk come to the back of the stage. He'd come on. He'd sober up, preach. People get healed all over the place. Some get saved. Then he'd go back and get smashed again. The gift wasn't his. See? And God honored the faith of the people that came. They weren't, you know. Freaky things can happen in this area. So I say this. Sometimes people have asked me to pray for them, and I sure, my name isn't Kuhlman, you know. Um, but I believe that any Christian can pray for healing, and I haven't felt strong anointings in the healing area. But I found an interesting thing. I've been praying God and increase my ministry. Um, last year I was in Detroit, and a guy came up and he said to me, would you pray for me? I said, why? He said, uh, because i got real bad stomach ulcers and they're bleeding now and I've got to go into hospital tomorrow. And, uh, you know, they're going to take x-rays and then cut them out. I'd like you to pray for me. I said, why have you got stomach ulcers? He said, oh, I've had them for a couple of years. I said, do you worry a lot? He said, yeah. I said, do you find yourself getting mad a lot? He said, yeah. I said, you got some rights you've never given to God. He said, yeah. I said, I'm not going to pray for you until you get them right. Showed him how to do it. Laid it out. I said, are you willing to surrender these? He said, yes. I said, okay, now we'll pray. I said, Lord, thank you for this man. I pray that as he goes and gets these things right, you'll straighten out his soul, his personality. Now we pray for his ulcers. Amen. That's it. Hey, he came back two days later, and he said, I got no ulcer problems at all. But more than that, I'll never have them again. Isn't that great? Remember this in healing. God is only going to do a temporary patch-up job on your body because it isn't your final one. Some people want God to give them absolutely everything straight again. God, my eyes are a little foggy. Sharpen them up. Sharpen my ears. That is, listen, the body that is going to pass away. God is going to patch it up enough to Help you do whatever you have to do. If your ministry is interfered with by your body, then God will step in and heal it. Bam, just like that. I not only believe in divine health, I don't believe in getting sick. I don't like it. It takes too much time out of the ministry. So I believe God can keep a person healthy. And I can say this, to the glory of God, in the last 10 years of ministry, I've had no sickness at all. Only times I've ever had a hassle is when I've been working continuously. I haven't taken a break, given my body a rest, see, for a day. And in that case, I've had a little covenant with God that he'd give me a head headache and a runny nose, head cold. See? And the moment that sign comes in, man, I close everything down. I don't care where I am. Finish. And I'll just sleep and eat and rest until it goes away. And then I get up and preach again. I never had to use drugs, medication, anything. And I believe God wants to keep you healthy. Really believe that. Okay, that's that. Um, the next is miracles. Ministry, the gift of miracles. And again, we've mentioned this. Supernatural works 
See, not always are these things healing type things. There's a, um, feeding people supernaturally and, you know, all kinds of areas like that. The miraculous. In Timor, the, you know, the walk, crossing of the water and, you know, stuff like that. Walking on the water. A few other interesting little goodies. Getting from one place to another. Let me give you an example of this. There was a, a lady who was supposed to arrive, a Christian woman supposed to arrive and meet this other Christian lady. She's an older lady um, in America. She told her she'd be in at 2 o'clock in the morning. And the lady said, fine, said, I'll meet you and pick you up. Big, big city like Chicago, ugly place at 2 o'clock in the morning. She arrived at 2 o'clock in the morning. The bus stop is, it's a, a smaller suburb, you know, but a bunch of greasy-looking people hang around in she arrived, there was nobody there. She didn't have any money to make a phone call. She didn't even know the lady's number or where she was. She was supposed to be there to meet her, and she wasn't there. She must have thought it was 2 o'clock the following afternoon or something like that. So here she is in the bus stop, and there's a bunch of greasy-looking guys standing around, you know, looking like they'd like to beat the head in of an old lady and take her purse, you know. Nothing in it, but, you know, they just might do it for fun. So she got a bit scared. She didn't know what to do. She sat around there for about 10, 15 minutes, and she didn't want to sit down. So she's standing out by the door, and she prayed. She said, Lord, how, do, how can I get in contact with this lady? She, she was standing there, closed her eyes, and she said, I felt a wind. Like that. And everything went dark. She opened her eyes, and she was standing outside the lady's house. No sensation of movement, just the wind, like that. Now, can you imagine those greasy guys? They're going, there ain't nobody there. There's some cool things that I think God wants to do yet, you know? Philip's transport. <laughs> We actually have a place in New Zealand called that Phillips Transport. Big transport. All right. Next one is prophecy. Prophecy, remember, is the revelation of the truth of God with power. When a person has the anointing of the gift of prophecy, God comes on them and they're speaking quite obviously direct in direct contact with God. I know a young man, boy, he was in a minister's conference one time. I knew this guy. I've known him a number of years now. This guy stood up, and one of the few times I've ever seen him, he was totally another man. God came on him. He changed. He was a totally different person. And man, he said things. There were ministers who been in the ministry 30, 40 years that fell right out of their chairs weeping. He had absolutely no idea what to say, he was just preaching, 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 and God went wham on top of him, right in the middle of his sermon, and he started going boom, 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 and people were going, oh, and ministers were falling all over the floor. Brother, a different man. Word of God coming through prophecy. Then, very important one. The discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits. This is a spiritual gift to find out which of a number of spirits 
Holy Spirit, human spirit, demonic spirit, has motivated a particular supernatural manifestation. And then we have tongues, the ability to speak in another language. This is something being horribly misused in the 20th century as we've misused everything in the 20th century. There are books. I've, I read the title of a book, Father So-and-So Smokes a Pipe and Speaks in Tongues. And I wanted to write another book. He smokes a pipe, speaks in tongues, and goes to hell. You, there is a vast amount today that is happening in tongues that is not connected with holy living. And I want to go on record as saying that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, chief and the assemblies of God are very cool in this area. The chief physical sign, they say, notice that cunning word physical. The chief physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. But when they put the word physical in, they saved their bacon. Because the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is power. And if you do anything physical at all, the Assemblies of God points out, it will not be swinging on chandeliers. It will be speaking in tongues. But to say the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues is crazy because that means anybody who speaks in tongues is not only baptized in the Spirit, but also saved. And I remember a camp I had one time with my friend Paul Bruton, and that has to, we've had the freakiest camps. They're all high school, junior high school camps. You can't imagine what high schoolers and junior high schoolers can get into. Well, you can imagine because you were once there. But anyway, this one camp, this, this girl comes out of this room and she says, this is a really weird camp, I'm going home. Well, you know, a lot of girls say that, this is a weird camp. But this girl was really freaked, you know, she looked like she was an LSD or something. She said, this is really a weird camp, I'm going home. So what, we said, what do you mean weird? She said, our counselor has locked us all up in the room there. She's taken all our Bibles and put them in the bottom drawer. She says all the speakers and the leaders of this camp are demon-possessed, and God has sent her to deliver these girls. Well, we heard this. Here's Paul, the leader of the camp. I'm one of the speakers. That was interesting for me to find out that I was demon-possessed. So I, man, I grabbed my Bible. I lit off Paul. We're both running him like a football player, you know. And we're running towards this, this building, and this lady must have sensed us coming. Smell the messianic after. <laughs> that was for Doug. He's been dying to say that one, so we threw it out. Um, this lady came bursting out of the camp. She must have felt us coming, you know. She came out uh, like this, saw us running up, man, and she split off through the woods. Now, I'm running after her. <laughs> and she is running through trees. I mean, here's a tree like that. She just goes right through. She's got glasses. Smash your glasses. Like this. And the trees are just going like this. I hit the tree. Like that. She's going right through those things, speaking in tongues at the top of her voice. Me after her doing exactly the same thing. Now, one of us was wrong. <laughs> Do you understand? It is possible 
to speak in tongues and not even be saved. And you've got to get that. That's very important. A large number of people pointing out that they've had a tongues manifestation, so it's quite obvious they're heavy into God. Quite possible they're not even saved. Yeah, Mormons speak in tongues. All kinds of people. Demon-possessed people speak in tongues. All kinds of stuff. So you should understand that. Tongues are a very real gift, a beautiful gift. Um, all kinds of fun things have happened in the genuine. Uh, I saw a beautiful thing in a camp once. I just wanted to share. This is the most unusual tongues I've ever seen. I saw a girl that God had dealt with. She was baptized in the Spirit. And she was lying on the ground, and she was going like this. And she was doing this kind of thing. And I'm looking. It looks like she was conducting an orchestra. Funny thing is, a girl came up and looked at her like this, and then started to cry, and then started speaking tongues. Now, this is the wild thing. The girl on the floor was signing, and the girl who was looking couldn't hear. And she saw this girl who didn't know sign, praising God in sign. Can you check that out? And this girl who couldn't speak or hear started speaking in a language, just looking the girl and crying. Now, that is one of the most mind-blowing things I've ever seen in my life. And I stood there watching it. So the girl come up, do it. And that's a very good, there's a tongue, another language, the language of hands. And uh, there may, I'm sure this is a gift that, you know, there. I saw in one of Wilder's book, in J. Edwin Orr, who is not known as a rabid Pentecostal, J. Edwin Orr, I have a bunch of his old books, and one of them is, uh, is stories of his travels around the world, and it said, it's wild. One day I'm going to ask him, did you really mean that? He's in Norway, and he said, when I arrived in Norway, there was no interpreter to, to speak to the church. So I asked God to enable me to speak in Norwegian, which I did, giving him the glory. Can you believe it? J. Edwin Orr. Now, if, you know, all Roberts had said that. But this is J. Edwin Orr. All right? And then interpretation of tongues. Now, good friends, in the midst of all your presuppositional apologetics, your philosophical freak-outing, your theological dialectics, forget not the power of the Holy Ghost. We need some more Apostle Pauls who not only know how to deal with the Mars Hill dudes, but whose shadow gone past on the streets healed. And when we have a rebirth of that kind of person, we will see New Testament evangelism. We've either had people who have no mind at all, that God has blessed because he had to do something with them. <laughs> but we didn't even know which end of the Bible was which, but happened to have a gift, see? Or people who are scholars, students, blah, 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 have no supernatural power. Now, you have to be a special person for God the Holy Spirit to manifest. No, not at all. All you need to do is this. You've got to spend time in prayer. A lot of time in prayer, because then that teaches you to know what God's voice is like. You know when he's talking to you? You know when he wants you to do something? Prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. And a lot of time in the Word of God, 
and of a clean conscience. That's all. Clean conscience. You can stand before God and know that he's using you. And there's one other thing I've got to add and I've got to put it in. You must expose yourself to risk in order to see the supernatural take place. We want God to give us a gift in the privacy of our rooms so we can try it out on a wall. But he don't work like that. None of these things are given in order to bless you, but to minister to others. And they will not be given to be wasted or tried out. They are given to help. And the only time you will find these beginning to operate is when real needs of ministry are there. God will step in and su supplement what you cannot do. And there's a beautiful thing I want to share. One of our Robert's friends, Tommy Tyson, who's a spiritual Methodist minister, preaching one time, and I heard him, and he had a heavy thing. He was praying for people, laying hands on them. He had a prayer line, you know, calling them up. And he'd pray for them, Oh, God, heal. And he's doing this. And the Lord said to him this, Son, are people healed by the pressure of your hands? Oh, by the power of my spirit. And then the Lord said to him, Son, you be natural, and I'll be supernatural. Now remember this. He, Tarzan, you, Jane. <laughs> you let I am what I am be what he am. And you be what you are. <laughs> Jacob <laughs> and uh, the supernatural will take care of itself remember I don't even like calling it supernatural yeah it's really natural it's really uh, just a natural manifestation of a very wonderful God um, it's not freaky it's not weird you can always tell the difference. Whenever the devil wants to do something, he always has to put bells, echo chambers, vibrato, and a Moog synthesizer in there. But with God, it's so quiet. It's just up, and there it is. It's just, you know, he's there. Okay, we've done a lot of stuff here. Uh, remember, as God begins to develop in your life, he will want to develop all seven of those motivations through one particular ministry, and you'll notice different gifts. By one, one little thing we'll throw in here and say this. What does the Bible mean when it says, seek earnestly the best gifts? Does it mean some of God's gifts are rotten? No. What it means is that there's some best for you, for your ministry. Seek those ones. I know what my ministry is now. I can't really put a label on all the bits of it because it's still developing things. I'm still learning and I intend to until the day I die and then afterwards. But you should seek the gifts that you feel personally would be best to help you in the kind of ministry God has called you to do. And God will give them to you. These are things we can ask. You can't ask God for your calling, but you can seek these ones. One comes by the new birth your motivation, 
Another one comes by the election of God. You're calling into a ministry. These ones are the ones you can seek for. You can ask him for. All right, brethren, sisteren, that's it. And let's close in prayer. Father, we praise you. We thank you for your wonderful wisdom. Father, I ask now for this class and for the leadership here and for the staff that you will give us very clear and specific revelation about what you want us to do, what our ministries are, what we need to do to develop them. Bring the right kind of ministries along here that can keep challenging us and helping us go and expand in the directions you want us to be. We thank you, Father, for the word of God. We praise you for the wonderful power of truth that you've given to us. You have said you've magnified your word above your name, and we worship you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, too, for giving yourself for us. We pray, O oh God, that in the days to come, greater and greater revelations of Christ will mark our ministry. What you are like. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the, for the work you've done in opening and clarifying the truth. We praise you for the revelations of God that you've given to us during these weeks we've been here. Bless this class, Lord. Raise up a mighty band of men and women who know you and long to make you known. We bless you and we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, there's another Ministry of Helps podcast for you. That was Winky Prattney, part two of his uh, session on uh, ministry gifts. And uh, again, remember, you can find these at moh.org, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean. And uh, don't forget to tell your friends, share this around. And thanks for coming, and we'll see you next time.